The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Could it be that we really are on the verge of another great awakening here in America? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I want you to prepare your heart to be encouraged to be strengthened, to be built up, to be challenged. As we talk about revival, this is the day of the release of my brand new book, Revival or We Die. A Great Awakening is Our Only Hope. I firmly believe that God has not said that it is too late for America. I firmly believe that we could have amazing days ahead as a nation, but only only by divine intervention. There is no human Band-Aid that can cure the illnesses in our country. There is no human, social, cultural, political solution, but a great awakening, a divine visitation can turn the tide. Hey friends, welcome to The Line of Fire. This is Michael Brown. So glad you've taken time out of your busy schedule to listen to the broadcast. Here's the number to call with any question you want to talk to me about, anything on your mind. I'll try to get to some random calls a little later in the show. By random, they're not random to you, but I mean off subject, different subjects, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Or if, if you feel theologically or culturally that it's clear that America has gone beyond the point of no return, or that things will only get worse until Jesus returns, and that's your viewpoint, and you want to weigh in and explain why you feel the way you do, by all means, give us a call. We'll have a friendly conversation about it. 866-34-TRUTH. When we speak of revival, we speak of a season of unusual divine visitation. And we speak of something being revived, meaning coming back to life. So as I've often said, you can't revive a rock because a rock was never alive. But if something was once healthy and thriving and now has become sickly, now is stagnating, that needs to be revived and brought back to life. It can happen in the physical realm where a person physically needs to be revived. They're, they're very sick. They're weak. They're a shell of who they used to be. And if they get healthy and healed, they would be revived and brought back to life. Well, that's what must happen for much of the church in America today. Hey, let me bottom line it for you. And I want to encourage you. I'm going to be sober-minded, though. These are not going to be empty words of encouragement. I'm, I'm not here to be some, some life coach and just say, hey, you can do it, you can do it, you can make it. There's a place for that, but that's not what we're focusing on today. You don't want to go to a doctor when you have a serious illness and have that doctor as a life coach. You can do it. Come on, have a positive attitude. Hey, tough it out. Come on, smile through the adversity. No, you need the doctor to diagnose the problem and then to say, okay, here's the prescription. Here's the cure. Here's the surgery. Here's the rehab. Here's how we get you healthy. What I'm saying is that there is much sickness and compromise and confusion in the church in America. Sickness in the church of America has caused the nation to be sick. If we who are called to be the light ourselves are dim and our light is not shining brightly, 
What's going to happen to the nation as a whole? If, in fact, in the words of Dr. King, we are called to be the conscience of the state, what happens when we lose our own conscience? What happens when we are not walking in the fear of God? How is the nation going to walk in the consciousness of God and the fear of God? That's the problem. Conversely, the solution is found in us. With multiplied tens of millions of believers in America, if we get revived, if we get fervent, if we get healthy, if we get on fire, if we are transformed, it will transform the world around us. There will be an amazing effect. And, and the reason that revival can lead to awakening is, is at least twofold. One thing is that the church comes alive. And, and we walk in our divine role as the salt of the earth and the light of the, the world. And we bring difference into the world around us as, as we are shining. And then another side is that lost sinners are getting saved. People who are movie producers, people who are judges, people who are uh, soccer moms, people who are business executives, people from all walks of life are getting born again. And now they're bringing a positive influence as they become disciples. And you could add in the third factor, which is what Winky Prattney has referred to as the divine radiation zone, where there's just a consciousness of God, it seems, that come over regions and, and things change consequently as the word of God is preached and declared in the midst of that divine radiation zone. That's why as we trace the history of revival in America, great awakenings have come as the fruit of revival as, as the outcome of revival, and they've come in dark and difficult days. In, in times past in America, when things were really bad and looking dire, just as they are today. Uh, I'm going to play some great, inspiring, encouraging clips for you today. And I want to start with one from 1857, 1858. No, it's, it's not an actual recording for them. That'd be wonderful if we had recordings going all the way back in history. Uh, but this is, this is a, a video, of course, you'll hear the audio, uh, talking about the prayer revival, the prayer awakening from 1857, 1858. But l let me just be candid. Let me shoot straight with you as I always do. All right. You're going to hear the truth on this broadcast. You're going to hear what's wrong. You're going to hear an honest assessment of the problems in our society and the problems in our church with honesty and candor. But you're also going to hear a message of hope and encouragement and faith. So on the one hand, we're not in denial about the problems. On the other hand, we're not just speaking empty words of hype and encouragement. It is by facing the truth and then turning to God based on that truth that we can see change come. Jesus said in Revelation 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. And then he says in 3.22, this is what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So God in his love will show us what's wrong. Either the lack of first love in our own lives or moral compromise in our family or spiritual backsliding in the church or the craziness of the world in which we live. He shows us that not to condemn us, not to make us hopeless, but to drive us to our knees to turn to him with all of our heart and all of our soul. And as we do, he pours out his spirit. Let's, let's check out what happened over 150 years ago right here in America. The United States, 1857. Slavery, rebellion, 
rumors of war. In three years, Americans would turn on each other and make history. But in 1857 New York City, history, the kind textbooks don't mention, was already happening. The date was September 23rd. A Christian layman named Jeremiah Lamphere held his first ever businessman's prayer meeting in Lower Manhattan. It was not, by all accounts, a rousing success. He passed out flyers for weeks. Six men attended. Two weeks later, the stock market crashed. Thousands of families lost all they had, and one of the greatest spiritual awakenings the world has ever seen began. Week by week, Jeremiah Lamphere's tiny lunch hour prayer meeting grew larger and larger. By December, his six men had become 10,000 men, and they met not every week, but every day. The New York newspapers took notice, and when word spread to other cities, spontaneous revival broke out across the country. In Cleveland and St. Louis, thousands of people packed downtown churches and theaters three times each day just to pray. In Chicago, churches had to have waiting lists for people wanting to teach Sunday school. And all across America, pastors were baptizing 20,000 new believers every week. The revival eventually spread around the world. In England, entire towns were converted. Some towns disbanded their police force because of a lack of crime. And so many people came to Christ, churches had to hold services outside just to accommodate the crowds. The world had seen nothing like it, before or since. Global revival. God started it with one man. It changed the course of history. And now, in today's world, people need to know, can history repeat itself? Can it happen again? The answer is yes, absolutely. The same God answering prayer. People began to cry out and God began to move. And as has often been pointed out, going back to Matthew, Henry, and others, that, that when God wants to bring revival, he stirs his people to pray. And we in turn cry out and seek him earnestly. When I wrote Revival or We Die, I didn't write this book just with some, I hope I hope something will happen before it's too late. No, I wrote it with the conviction that God himself is stirring us, that God himself is putting this in our hearts. Again, I want to be absolutely candid with you. I was was grieved over a lack of spiritual hunger and spiritual desperation that I saw in, in much of the church of America for years and years. I'm thinking the times are urgent. I'm looking at things and and saying society's falling apart at the seams. What in the world is going on? We desperately need to turn to God. So much of the church is sick and complacent and and, and compromised. We absolutely have to have a fresh visitation. But I didn't see a lot of hunger and thirst. Oh, a little pocket here, a little pocket there. But by and large, there did not seem to be an outcry. In fact, it seemed that for many, we thought there was a political solution or a way to change America, mainly from the top down, with imperfect vessels leading the way. And I, I, I saw a shift. Personally, I began to observe it in 2019. And I've seen it growing since then of hunger, of desperation, of people saying, God, there must be more, of, of people crying out. My book, Revival or We Die, starts with a chapter with three words. There must be more. Four words, right? There must be more. 
There is more. We, we cannot stop where we are. And is there a hunger in your own heart as you look at your life and God saying, surely God has more? As you look at what you're experiencing in church, as you look at the world around you, does your heart say, there must be more? Well, God gives his amen to that. It, it is to the glory of God to say, Lord, there must be more. Hey, friends, because our first shipment of hardcover books has been delayed, should be any day coming in, you can still pre-order. This may be the last day, maybe another day, I'm not sure. You can still pre-order an exclusive hardcover signed numbered edition of Revival or We Die on the our website, AskDrBrown.org, and you'll get a special video download with it as well. Or if you prefer, you can just order Amazon, ebook, paperback, wherever you get your books online. But check it out today, Revival or We Die, just released. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. Remember to call 866-34-TRUTH. You know, you can look at news headlines, and it feels like the world just about to explode, depending on what websites you go to. You want to pull your hair out. You, you want to bang your head on the wall. No, this is crazy. Getting worse by the moment. What in the world is going on? Everybody's losing their minds. The world's falling apart. You can easily feel like they're getting angry. They're angry at the sister, angry at this politician, angry. That gets stirred up. Understandably, there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. Then you can turn away from that, ignore what's happening in the world, read the Bible, love Jesus, enjoy the Lord, build up your faith, which is wonderful, but don't leave it there. Now take that faith. Now take that time with God. Now take the light shining in you and shine it out to the world around us. Now, some of us just, we don't want to know anything that's happening in the world. Just want to meet with the Lord, which is beautiful, except we're still in this world. And we have a mission, friends. We have a job. It was Charles Spurgeon who said, a healthy church kills error, tears up error. Whatever's unhealthy in the land a healthy church is going to address, not in some triumphalistic way of, you listen to what we say or else, but rather, as we get healthy and strong, it brings health, life, vitality to everyone around us. And again, friends, I'm here with you day by day to help you get strong, healthy in the Lord. Those that are healthier to get stronger, overcoming mentality like you've never had before. Those that are hurting and weak to see you thrive in the Lord. Friends, doesn't matter what you're going through, what your situation is. If you know the Lord, you're not a hopeless victim. If you know the Lord, the overcomer lives inside of you. And in him, you can overcome. Friends, I live with hope, not just because I'm an optimistic person. I live with a divine hope that God put within me. As you read Revival or We Die, again, if you just tuned in, just released today, if you're listening on podcast later, it's, it's October 19th. The book just released. We're still getting in. Our special hardcover order was just delayed a few weeks. Should be here any day. Then we want to turn around and, and sign for all those who, who pre-ordered. But as you read this book, as you read Revival or, or We Die, yes, there'll be a burden because the reality of the situation that we're in, and maybe the Holy Spirit will be speaking to your own heart, and, and, and there'll be kind of a, a Holy Spirit inventory that's being taken and you realize, wow, things are really lacking. But at the same time, I feel very confident 
that there'll be a stirring, a stirring to go after God, a stirring to be with the Lord, and a stirring to believe God for revival. And I just said this on an interview I did earlier today, that I know many places around America today where God's moving in such a way that so many people are flocking to the meetings and so many people are getting saved that they literally don't know what to do with all the people. I know of places with colleagues of mine where this is literally happening. There is hunger and there is thirst and where God is moving, people will be drawn, young and old. Doesn't matter if you're Gen Z or a baby boomer or wherever you are, when God's moving, I've seen it for 50 years now, people come flocking where Jesus is exalted in the power of the spirit, where there's love, where there's compassion, people will be drawn and they will be changed. Take, take a look with me in Revelation chapter three, and then I've got some great clips, like Raven Hill, Duncan Campbell. And I'm, I'm even gonna play an old Coca-Cola commercial for you a little later in the broadcast. You'll say, what? What's that got to do with anything? You, you'll see, you'll see. But Revelation chapter three, to the angel or the messenger of the church in Sardis. So these are the believers in the city of Sardis. The Lord says, right, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Well, Jesus, you hurt my feelings. That, 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 that's mean. No, this is love. This is the son of God, not speaking, I'm going to get you, but out of love, out of compassion, out of wanting to see us healthy. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Just because we have a big building, just because we have a big congregation, just because we have a big mailing list, just because we have a big TV ministry, just because we have a big budget, we might have all those things and not be healthy. We might have a reputation for being alive and yet be dead. And by the way, smallness is not a proof of life either. What does Jesus say? Wake up! Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you've received and heard, hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I'll come like a thief, and you'll not know at what time I'll come to you. Judgment. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who've not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious, the overcomer, will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, we'll, we'll come back to Revelation 3 a little later in the broadcast, but I, I quote those words to say that often the Lord speaks to us with real pointedness. And the Word of God, we know Hebrews 4.12, is living and active, sharpened than any two-edged sword, piercing to the very division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, discerner of the thoughts and, and intents of the heart. So the Lord speaks in those ways. Boom! Cuts right to the core of our being, but not to destroy, to turn us to expose the sickness so that we'll get the healthy cure from heaven and bring transformation, be transformed, and then out of that transformation can come through us. I had the privilege of being very close with Leonard Ravenhill the last five years of his life from 1989 to 1994, passed away at the age of, of 87. And he was a great champion of revival in the last generation, most famous for his book, Why Revival Tarries. He wrote a number of books, but that was the most famous Listen to some of what Brother Len has to say about revival. His words still stir to this day.
and sick of theology and words. We need God to move in our midst. Oh, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, Lord, don't stay there. Come down here. The one thing that alarms me in America and England is that there is no alarm in the church. You say America needs God. No, she doesn't. The church needs God. If the church gets God, America will soon feel it. She'll be staggering. A preacher said something the other day that's very disturbing to an audience that he was addressing. He said, I want to tell you that if God withdrew the Holy Spirit from my church today, it would function tomorrow the same way we wouldn't even know he'd gone. And methinks that might be written of many churches in that we become so mechanical. We go in at 11 and come out at 12 and the Holy Ghost must come when we open the door of the church and he must leave when we lock it. And we try and lay down the track and say, come Holy Ghost, for thee we call spirit of burning, come, but come our way. We've laid down the conditions. Holy Ghost, come, but please don't violate our theology. Don't upset our status quo. Don't break our hearts over a lost world. Oh, yes, yes, preachers. You and I will raise our hats to Finney and Bulls. And we raise our hats to the martyrs. And we thank God for the last drop of their blood, but we won't give him the first drop of ours. I can't live another day without the fire of God consuming me everything that's unchristlike, consuming me everything which hinders surrender everything. That's revival. When you can't sit through the meeting you feel you've got a burning cancer. If I don't get to the cross now I may die before the meeting's over. Every preacher who has lost the fire you should be on your face down here. You used to burn, but you got so busy with organizing, the fire has gone out. Come on! You can't patch up your prayer life when you get to the judgment seat. You can't sacrifice when you get to the judgment seat. You can't weep when you get to the judgment seat. It's all between here and there. Listen, if our God is a consuming fire, and He is, if He takes up residence in you, you'll burn till you die. God needs a torch of holy fire in your house. He wants a fire in you to read the word of God to your family. He wants the fire of God your neighbors will know. I can't live in coldness anymore. I can't live in blindness anymore. I can't be indifferent to a dying world. Yes. Yep. Brother Len could not finish his sermon that day because the people just began to weep and cry out all over the building. <laughs> was an eyewitness to that and several of the meetings like that. The hunger, the desperation in his heart, the brokenness, the passion that you heard there. Every time we prayed together, every time we prayed together, I heard that same passion, that same cry, that same brokenness. It was in the depth of his being, and that's when he spoke that fire burned and, and, and others were convicted and and you saw those seeds of revival coming forth and friends I, I wrote revival or we die with that with that same desire to see that fire spread starting with conviction in our own lives even even one of the chapters in the book a psalm of repentance where I take us through Psalm 51 
to, to help us understand this is what repentance really looks like. This is how it works out in our own lives. Uh, a chapter about restoring our first love where I, I record some very honest journal entries when I was saying, Lord, I've left my first love. Reignite something within me. And I feel you read it. Many of you say, yeah, that's my heart too. That's my heart too. Is God stirring something in you? Cry out to him. Say, God, send a fresh wave of revival. Start within me. And I encourage you again, if you're able, get a copy of Revival or We Die. Just released today. You can order it online wherever you do. You can still pre-order the special hardcover edition on our website, askdrbrown.org. Friends, it's time. What are we waiting for? America's in crisis. Church is in great need. God's ready to meet us. We could see a massive outpouring sweep our country. We could see another great awakening. God's hand is not too short. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Yes, today, it is October 19th for those listening live, which means it's the release day. My newest book, always counting the days for a book to be released, Revival or We Die. Got it right in front. I've got the paperback here. We're still waiting the hardcover, the special hardcover edition we ordered for many of you. should be here any day. We've got the paperback here, Revival or We Die. A Great Awakening is Our Only Hope. Friends, in this book, we go back to the Word and see what the Word of God has to tell us about revival, about awakening. And then we go through history, and we find out what history has to tell us about revival and awakening. And then I share eyewitness reports, things I've seen with my own eyes, things others have seen with their own eyes, people that I know personally who are talking 10, 20, 30 years after experiencing revival, how their lives remain changed to this day. So as you read the book, I believe a, a fresh fire, a hunger, a thirst, a faith will ignite inside of you. I, I, I truly feel like, like this book it's God helped me to write it and grip me to write it because I couldn't write it without being gripped. It's not like a teaching book or a commentary where you kind of work on it day by day. This one I had to write as I felt gripped and moved to write. So I had to have that inspiration in my own heart, that burning fire in my own heart to write. I believe you'll feel it and experience it as you read. But, but look at it like this. It, it's like there, there's, there's, a, there's fuel there. There's gas. There's the hunger in your heart. There's a desire in your heart. There's, there's knowledge in your heart. There must be more. There is more. Something's missing. If God is who he says he is, then things should be different. So that fuel is there. This book is kind of like the match that God helped me to write. Write that match, throw it in the fuel, and suddenly there is a bright, burning fire. Uh, Go with me to Revelation chapter 3. I've got a couple of clips I want to play for you. Great story from Duncan Campbell. And then an old ad, an old commercial. I'm going to play it, but it's going to tie in with the revival theme. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 3. And, and after rebuking and correcting the church in Sardis with a promise, the Lord speaks to the, the church in Philadelphia, beginning in verse 7. And he has no rebuke for them, only words of encouragement. Even though their strength is small, they've been faithful. And the Lord promises to set an open door before them that no one could shut. Now let's scroll down a little further in the chapter. 
and Jesus addresses the church in Laodicea, all right? So let's look in Revelation chapter 3, beginning verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, of course, the city famous for, for waters that were either cold or hot, so they were used for different purposes. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. This is the Lord speaking with his love for his people because they're in that bad a condition. It was that urgent. It was that life or death for them. In many ways, that's the situation for America and for many churches in America. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, here's, here's the amazing revelation here. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. How extraordinary that the church in Laodicea thought that it was rich, had acquired wealth, didn't need anything, and maybe it was materially wealthy. But Jesus looks at them spiritually and says, you don't realize you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. But he doesn't leave them there. He doesn't leave them with that strong word of rebuke. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Notice those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. How do you repent? You turn to God. God, I know something's wrong. God, I know something's missing. God, I know I've been in sin. Whatever it is, turn to him, confess it, and ask for mercy. Here I am, Jesus says. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and, come in and eat with that person and they with me. Isn't that amazing that, that Jesus is giving that invitation after this rebuke to have personal fellowship with us? To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the church, the congregation, the, the believers in the city that get the worst rebuke end up getting the best promises. Friends, hear me. If we'll humble ourselves in God's sight, if we will cry out for mercy, if we will acknowledge our guilt he won't condemn us. He'll forgive. He'll cleanse. He'll wash. I know in my life in 82, when God began to convict me that in my academic studies, I'd become theologically and intellectually proud and had left my first love, even though I was active in ministry and our family was living as a solid Christian family. The fact is I had left my first love. As I began to turn to God in repentance, I thought, wow, I really got off track more than I realized. Well, no, that, that was just the first little layer. That, that, that wasn't even unpeeling the onion. That was taken out of the bag. And then more deep repentance. Wow, this was, this was more intense than I realized. I'd strayed further than I realized. Again, not into doctrinal heresy, not into, not into adultery, not into stealing money, but just talking about drifting from that early devotion and intimacy that I had. And like the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2, you can be active in ministry and orthodox in the faith and have left your first love. And the Lord says, I have this against you. And it was like peeling layers of an onion and another thing and another thing and another thing. And then finally, finally, that all prevailing transformation that came 
and God meeting me each time in the midst of the repentance with his love and his goodness. Uh, I want you to hear this account from Duncan Campbell, best known for being the primary vessel, earthly vessel, that God used in the Hebrides revival in 1949 to 1952. I say primary earthly vessel because so much of what happened, God happened without any human intervention. But there was much prayer and crying out that took place before it and during it. Listen to Duncan Campbell's own story. One morning, I was preparing for a Keswick convention. I'm in my study. It's about five o'clock in the morning. When I heard someone singing in the drawing room of the manse. And, of course, I recognized the voice. It was the voice of my own young daughter. And she's singing, coming, coming, yes, they are. Coming, coming from afar, from the Indies and the Gandhis. Steady flows that living stream to love's ocean to its fullness. Calvary, their wandering theme. There was something about that singing that spoke to me and gripped me and moved me because I knew that that lassie was thinking of the day when she would be in Nepal as a missionary, definitely called by God to that field. She's only 16 years of age. After singing through the solo, she came over and she threw herself on my knees as daughters sometimes do. She put her two arms round my neck and said to me, Daddy, I would like to have a talk with you. Well, I said, Gina, I'll be happy indeed to talk with you. But oh, what was coming to me? We went to my study. And she said, for several days, Daddy, I've been battling against facing you with this question, but I must do it. When you were a young pilgrim, before you went in for the ministry, you saw revival. You saw revival. How is it, Daddy, that you're not seeing revival now? And then faced me with this crushing question. Daddy, you have a large congregation and many are joining the church. But Daddy, when did you last kneel beside a poor sinner and led him to Jesus? My dear people, that shook me. That shook me. Yeah, and that shaking in his life, that recognition that here he was, a successful minister with a successful church and lots of people coming, and yet he had lost something vital that he had. He had lost something of God working through him. He had lost a passion, a fire, a fervor, a burden. Maybe I'm speaking to you now and you're in vocational ministry. It's what you do full time and you're busy and you're hardworking and you're going for it day and night, building your church and caring for the flock and feeding that ministry, whatever it is. You, you are going for it day and night, but it's, you become a professional. The, the, the fire that once burned isn't there anymore. The passion that once moved you isn't there anymore. 
And, and if you stop long enough to realize it, you realize that you have left your first love, that, that this is your job and you do it well and you work hard at it and you're devoted and you even do it sacrificially. But the hours used to just spend with the Lord, enjoying him, enjoying his presence. You know, I, I share in the book as I was reflecting, as God was convicting me, even in recent years about aspects of my first love that I had, I had left. And that's what matters to him more than anything, our relationship with him. Everything else flows out of that, friends. Everything else flows out of that. As, as I was reflecting on it, I thought back to an old Fanny Crosby hymn, uh, Draw Me Nearer. And, and one verse, oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend as I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. And I thought, where is that in my life now? That, oh yeah, I was praying and spending time with God, but that delight, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend. I know as I'm speaking that some of you are, are remembering the fellowship you used to have. It could just be worn out through life. Pregnancies, miscarriages, babies, families, jobs, moves, hardship, medical issues. I'm not here to condemn or point a, a criticizing finger. This is a divine invitation. The Lord's saying, come back and renew that love. He's ready to do it. And that's the essence of revival. And friends, if you're able to get a copy of Revival or We Die, do so today. Go to my website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. Go there. As you do, you will be blessed. You'll be encouraged. You will be strengthened. And something fresh will ignite within your own heart. And it's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. Throughout my new book, just released today, Revival or We Die, you will find accounts of revival that will stir your heart. You will find the scriptures open up in such a way that will stir your heart. But it's practical. It, it will help get you on a path of pressing into the Lord to see breakthroughs, a, a path of hunger and thirst and desire. To the extent of our hunger, to that extent, God will fill. Have you ever gone out to a special restaurant, fancy restaurant, expensive restaurant, special event with family, and, and you know there's a lot of good food there, and basically you don't eat that whole day so that you can have more of an appetite to enjoy the food or so you don't end up just stuffing yourself after already having meals. How hungry are you? How thirsty are you? Let's turn it around and, and ask it like, like this. <clears throat> How much room is there for divine visitation in your life? How much room is there for fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Friends, in my book, Revival or We Die, I explain why I believe that a great awakening is our only hope. But I, I want to take you back to something from years back. For some, this will be a new song. Others, you've heard this. But I wrote an article last night about advertising hype. Now, I'm coming back to revival. I'm not going on a tangent. I'm coming back to revival. 
And I, I had some downtime, just chilling a little bit over the weekend, watching some football. And an ad came up for Amazon Prime. Now, I've been an Amazon Prime subscriber pretty much since it came out to get the free shipping and, and your free two-day shipping. And then it can be even overnight at times. And then various services that came with it. Nancy and I, yeah, with all the stuff we ordered from there, definitely worth getting. So I've been a satisfied Amazon Prime customer for years in that respect. But I, I watched this, this commercial. I thought, you've got to be kidding. Prime changes everything. Oh, yeah. Amazon Prime changes everything. You can control your destiny. You can take hold and see your passions realized and fulfilled. And you've got to be kidding me. But that's, that's advertising. That's standard advertising. Billions of dollars of advertising money have been spent to create a desire in you for something you actually need. It was pointed out to me by someone decades ago that because most Americans have what they need to live daily lives, that advertising can't say you need this as much as create a desire in you to, oh, I have to have that. I want this. And, and no one's done this better over the years than some of the soda companies like Coca-Cola. Remember, things go better with Coke. And believers responded with things go better with Christ. But, you know, it's just add Coke in. Forget the health problems that you get from drinking a lot of soda, but just, hey, add Coke in, and everything's better with Coke. Things go better with Coke. So it reminded me of this old Coca-Cola ad what, from 1971. So some of you old enough to remember it, you remember it. Otherwise, if, if, if you're listening uh, on the radio or on podcast, uh, a bunch of, of young people, not children, but, but young people, young adults, singing in, in some beautiful location, outdoor location, and another one singing, another it's multiracial and all of this, and they're holding Coca-Cola in their hands. So let's, let's go back and listen to this again. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow-white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing. Sing with me. Perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. I'd like to buy the world a book and keep it company. Hilltop in Italy. <laughs> but oh, come on. Think when I looked at the lyrics again last night, I was stunned. The whole world living in peace and harmony. Like just buy everybody a Coke. I, I, I mean, the audacity. You have to laugh. Uh, yeah, I know there, there are health problems because of drinking a lot of Coca-Cola and, and other sodas. I'm not laughing at that. But the audacity of putting that, it's a nice sounding, especially for the 70s. That was a good sounding song, Age of Aquarius type stuff. And yeah, the hope for the world and peace and harmony and just be beautiful. We can have Coca-Cola. <clears throat> Prime changes everything. Of course, my article, I set the record straight. No, it's not Amazon Prime changes everything. It's Jesus who changes everything. But that's, that's the reality that God coming in awakening and revival really does change things dramatically. Hey, 
This past weekend, we just had our 22nd annual Fire Missions Conference. Our Fire Missions Conference is the fruit of our Fire Missions Movement, which is the fruit of the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry, which became Fire School of Ministry, which is the fruit of the Brownsville Revival. So this revival that got ignited in 1995, out of that we birthed the School of Ministry. Out of the School of Ministry, a missions movement was birthed. So within two years, our school went from zero to over a thousand full-time students. Within four years, we had grads serving as missionaries in 20 nations. No human being can take credit for that. None of us were amazing to make this happen. It was an amazing God working in amazing ways, and we got to participate. And, and we're hearing from people, friends, who've been on the mission field for over 20 years, who were touched in the revival, who were ignited in the revival, who were transformed in the revival, who were empowered in the revival, who were saved in the revival, who were set free in the revival. You name it, that's some of our missionaries. And now, because of the passage of time, some of them have been on the field over 20 years. And the fruit that they've borne, the lives that are changed, from, from here, kids as young as three rescued from human trafficking that they've now adopted and that they're raising in a healthy and, and godly and wholesome environment and, and getting these kids whole from the inside out. And, and, and the poorest of the poor being fed and being educated and the gospel going to places where it hasn't gone before in their countries and, and, and Muslims hearing the good news and Hindus hearing the good news, and Buddhists hearing the good news, and, and Jews hearing the good news around the world, the gospel going forward. This is what revival does. And, and this is just one small example of one tributary that came out of the stream of the Brownsville Revival. And that was not the only revival movement at that time, the only outpouring of the Spirit. There were others, and they've borne much amazing fruit. And that fruit continues to grow until today. Here, when, when we hear from our missionaries in Iraq and how God has opened up doors for them to preach the gospel of Jesus without compromise in mosques, to hand out Bibles, and to lay hands on the sick, I'm, I'm talking about, I've heard this face-to-face, eye-to-eye from the people involved, Okay. Not someone heard a story about a story about a story about this and that. They read it on the internet. No, no. I know the people. I've, I've seen the pictures. And I've talked to the people involved. Literally, face to face. Yeah. These things really happening. Well, that's a direct fruit from them being touched in revival over 20 years ago. And taking that fire as their lives have been changed. And now going sacrificially with their families to live in another part of the world, often dangerous and difficult, to declare the good news of Jesus. I, I know of churches and ministries that were weak and that were small and that were going nowhere until they were touched by the fires of revival and transformed. A, a significant prayer movement in D.C., a prayer movement that's right on the front lines of the pro-life movement and renewal in D.C., it was last September, I'm, I'm sorry, September of, of 2020. So 13 months ago, I met the man leading that prayer group, and he wanted me to know that he came to Brownsville, I believe 16 years old, 
and got radically touched, radically transformed, and then went back home. And then God began to move. He saw a supernatural outpouring, and then it ended up growing into this house of prayer. This is the key. This is the key. Yes, we, we stay involved politically. Yes, we stay involved socially. Yes, we stay involved in our schools as parents and, and, and as young people we witness in our schools. And we do all of that. We shine the light in the place of business. We care for the, we do all, we keep doing, that's what God's people do. But we recognize there must be more. They're recognize, we recognize the urgent need of the hour. I didn't spend the show talking about all the problems in America. I said very, very little about that right at the beginning. And that was it. Well, because my goal has been to encourage, to stir, to help you find a new vibrant health in God you've never known before so that you as an overcomer can see light shine in the world in which you live. Friends, if you haven't yet ordered, you can still pre-order a hardcover copy. The, the printing was delayed a little. It should be in any day. So you can still pre-order a copy. Hardcover, first printing, a collector's edition, signed and numbered, Revival or We Die. A Great Awakening is our only hope. Go to our website now, askdrbrown.org. You can still pre-order today. Get multiple copies for friends, pastors, leaders, others that you know. I believe it'll help ignite a fresh fire in their lives as well. Or if you just want the paperback or the ebook, go online, wherever you order online. It's now out today. Revival or we die. God is ready to shake the nation. Another program powered by the Truth Network.